Hey everybody, welcome to An American F1. I hope you guys are doing great on this February 21st of 2022. Over here in America, it's President's Day where we uh, have Monday off to honor our presidents. Uh, yeah, you know, unique holiday, but hey, take a holiday when I can, okay? But, man, I was looking back at the notes that I've been taking since last week and there's just been so much going on in the world of F1. I mean, really just... So many incredible things going on. And I guess it's good because the month of February, it's like the Formula 1 season is so close, yet so far. Like, every time we get a new livery, you just want it to be the Bahrain Grand Prix already. You're waiting for the beginning of the season. But thankfully, you know, we have enough F1 news, enough livery reveals. We have shakedowns going on already with these new red cars we have. Uh, Barcelona testing come up and I know people are complaining that it's not live, but I saw some interesting posts that mentioned like, think about it, like in the nineties, the two thousands, we were lucky to even get like photos or any reports from it. So the fact that we're still going to get content from these days, we should be not, I don't want to say we should be lucky because I know we live in an era where we just want all this information at our fingertips, but we should be happy at the fact that we can and will get decent coverage. We'll see these new cars. We'll be hyped for it. So let's not overreact. Let's not get carried away, if you will. But that's not what I want to bring up first. I, the first thing I got to bring up is, I guess this is the most important piece of news, and it concerns the race weekend and the changes that are going to be made. And a lot of these changes, of course, were in response to things that happened throughout the Formula One season in 2021, and they were, to some extent, significant issues, and I think it's good that Formula One is working at ways to fix it, and that they've taken, I guess, events that people have been angered by, or that caused particular frustration, and they're making positive changes, and I'm going to get into the two, I guess, major changes that went on, and in terms of the race weekend. And then, of course, the, the big change that I think we all know what I'm going to mention there. So one of the first things is we kind of released these two changes to the Formula One race weekend. We had these minor changes concerning the structure of the race weekend itself. And then, of course, we know the second part, the big piece of news is changes to the race direction and or the race director position, I guess you could say. So the first major piece of news, and these were on separate days, because at first the FIA came out and were like, okay, we have nothing to report on Abu Dhabi yet, but we're going to release some structural changes and produce an action plan shortly, which ended up being, I believe, a day or two later. Apologize if I forgot the exact timeline. I can't remember if it was the next day after these changes or two days after, but the point is, almost immediately in succession, they released these two fairly significant changes and the first one I think are things I can't see people being too angry about it I haven't seen too many people angry about it uh one of the first things which I think surprisingly when it was first announced I think the sprint qualifying format of last year I feel like there was a lot of controversy regarding it but I feel like as people saw the sprint events in action they it grew on people. So there are some minor changes to the sprint events. First of all, there was actually rumors at the beginning of this year that we wouldn't have them at all due to 
costs, due to logistics, things like that. But I guess there ended up being some sort of compromise where we're still going to have three sprint events. We're going to have them at Imola, Austria, and Brazil. And I'm kind of happy. I think those are three great tracks where a sprint race makes sense in some ways. I think uh, it will be good. I think the sprint races have provided a modicum of entertainment. They're, they've been slightly entertaining, and I think people enjoy them. I think people like additional racing. I guess you could say the implications for it, though, I guess some people have issues with. Uh, last year, it was called the sprint qualifying, and you know there was a joke on TV that it's really just a sprint race. And I guess Formula One kind of responded to those opinions by now simply remaining, remaining, renaming sprint qualifying just, quote-unquote, the sprint. I don't know why they just couldn't call it the sprint race, but whatever. Uh, it's going to be called the sprint. There are going to be more points awarded. So now first through eighth are going to get points, which I totally think is fair because, listen, you're competing, you're pushing your car to the limit still, and... These teams should deserve to get points for the work they put in. They definitely deserve to get something out of it. So I think people are happy with that. I think it's fair. It's definitely going to add another interesting element to the championship battles. But hey, listen, a race is a race. You still got to perform. And they've also changed who actually gets the pole position. So poor Valtteri Bottas, a year too late. But... Yeah, the poll is now still going to be given to the person who was fastest in quali, which is totally fair. I know I saw some people arguing this point to on social media saying, well, the person who's fastest in qualifying should be the person. Sorry, I said that wrong. The person who starts on the front row in the number one spot, number one grid spot on Sunday should be the pole position. And I get that. It totally makes sense. You're starting on Sunday from the front. How could you have the guy starting on pole, starting fifth or sixth, or even at the back of the field? I get that. But at the same time, I think you do have to recognize the person that lays down the fastest single car quality time in traditional qualifying. I think I think it's only fair. Um, I do think that is reasonable. I think maybe we'll see some further changes to the sprint qualifying, or I guess you could call it the sprint race, the sprint format in the future. Personally, I don't know if people would like this, but in NASCAR for the Daytona 500, for example, and I think Formula One could do something similar for the sprint, where first and second position, Daytona 500, they have two sprint qualifying races uh, that determine positions not first through where they have 38 now, it's actually from 3rd to 38. The drivers who are in the front row still race, but they are not in jeopardy of losing their front row starting spots. I think that would be fair to do in Formula 1 sprint format. I don't see what would be the major issue with that. I guess people could say, like, you know, maybe equipment issues, cost issues, but I think it would be more fair to have the front row locked out and let 3rd on back fight for positions to move up the grid. I think that would be a little bit more fair. But then again, in NASCAR, it's more of an exhibition race. The points don't count. In Formula 1, the points would count, so you'd have to work that around. So I don't know if it's feasible, but I think it's something that should be explored. I think there should be a way to, I don't know, 
I just think it would be a little more fair. I don't know if that's kind of a weird take. Maybe don't award points for the sprint qualifying, but then what's the incentive? Uh, there's a there's a lot of issues with that. But let's see how the sprint goes this year. You know, it could be great, and people might enjoy it. It's definitely made a difference in some races this year, I would say. It's made some races a little more interesting. I think it played a big role in Monza, and you kind of get to see where cars are going to stack up in the race weekend. So I do enjoy the sprint races a little bit. I don't want them to be at every race. I, I think three or four are fine. I don't think they need to add more. Um, but it's definitely an interesting format. I think it's unique. I think it brings maybe some fans to the sport as well because they get to see like double the racing, maybe some more entertaining racing. I don't know. The other major structural change, of course, was in response to what happened in Belgium. And they actually said it straight up in this FIA report that in response to the weather-affected Belgium Grand Prix, which, I mean, are we really counting it as a Grand Prix still in our minds? We could call it the Belgian Parade. <laughs> I don't know what you want to call it. I mean, listen, I'm proud that George Russell got on the podium for that. It was nice to see a Williams up there, but that was one of those races where you're like, come on, bro. Like, I wanted more. I That race, I literally was anticipating that race all weekend. The quality was so great. I sat down. I had a little rum and coke made for myself. I was like, I'm going to watch this race. And then it was just hours of sitting through nothing <laughs> to watch the cars go around. Oh, so painful. I'm still getting PTSD from that. But the FIA did decide to make some changes. So the first thing, straight up, no points are going to be awarded if there are not a minimum of two laps ran without a safety car or a virtual safety car. And I think that's fair. I mean, you know, not to steal a line from Michael Massey, who I'll talk about in a few seconds, but I mean, it is called motor racing, right? So, like, we should expect a little fairness when it comes to having the chance to see these teams actually run a race. So, uh, yeah, I think that's fair. You shouldn't get points if you only run two laps under a safety car. You shouldn't be awarded that. That's not fair. It doesn't feel like a real race. Uh, however, now there's like a step system. So 25% or less, the top five finishers get points. First gets sixth. Second gets fourth. Uh, four points. Third gets three points. Fourth gets two points. Fifth gets one. The next step up is in between 25 and 50% of the race completed by the leader. And then from first on down to ninth are awarded points. So it's like 13 for first. 10 for second, 8 for third, 6 for fourth, 5 for fifth, 4 for sixth, 3 for seventh, 2 for eighth, 1 for ninth. And then finally, the 10th place finisher will get points if between 50 and 75% of the race is finished. And then it's 19, 14, 12, 9, 8, 6, 5, 3, 2, 1. So I think that's a little more fair. I think that's a little more just. Uh, I think it gets rid of that wonky 0.5 half point system as well. So I think I think people, I mean, how many times is this really going to come into play? I don't think it's going to come into play too much, but it'll be there. It'll be one of those obscure rules we'll talk about when it's potentially in play. So definitely interesting. I think they're all positive changes. I know some people might have maybe their disagreements with that uh, range-shortened events point system. I could see it being a little weird. I think some people might also have, I think people in general have their issues with the sprint to begin with. So, I mean, I think those issues are going to remain. They're not going to change immediately overnight with their response to the sprint. But 
I think they're interesting changes. I think it's good for the sport to have these type of changes as well. And I think we'll see where it goes. I mean, hey, the sprint is only going to be three races. How many times are we going to have weather-affected races? But one cool thing that I almost forgot to mention, and this too, like, I guess every issue, you're not going to please everybody, but when it comes to qualifying, I, I almost forgot about this. The Q2 tire choice is gone. So there's no more, I guess some people were a little angry because there's no more strategic tire selection when it comes to qualifying. I mean, honestly, that was a little interesting thing during qualifying. It kind of spiced up the second session a little bit. But honestly, I have no problem with teams going out with whatever tire they think is the best and having free selection. I think that might actually even give you uh, a variety in strategy, maybe. I don't know. I could see some teams taking gambles, especially now without having that qualifying tire selection not being locked into one at the start. I think it'll be interesting to see which way teams go because maybe there are instances where a team wants to start on soft when their rivals are starting on hards, and that could be something interesting. And I think it might actually play a role in some races. And it'll, I, I think it'll make the starts a little interesting. I think it'll make one-stoppers, two-stoppers um, a little more intriguing. I know we have the bigger, I guess, more durable, quote-unquote, tires. So I don't know how that's going to play in as well. I know... The rumor is that there's going to be a lot of one-stoppers, but we'll see what happens. Uh, again, there's still a lot of question marks about this season with new regulations, new tires, new things like that. So we'll see where that plays into. Uh, but definitely an interesting element thrown in there too in terms of qualifying and what they're going to do with qualifying. So those were like the minor changes. And then there was the change, which, I mean, are we shocked? I don't think we should be about Michael Massey um I think it was pretty much a given that Michael Massey was going to be gone right I think we knew I think it was pretty clear after the appeals at Abu Dhabi after the reaction to the Abu Dhabi Grand Prix that season finale that championship decider moment I think it was pretty clear that it was going to be very difficult for Michael Massey to hold on to his job and I guess the question that remains now, Michael Massey's gone, and I I do like the changes they made. Michael Massey has been dropped. The race director position is now going to alternate between Niels Wittich and Eduardo Freitas. So um, Niels is from or Niles is from the World Endurance Championship, and Freitas is from the Dutch Touring Masters. There was some controversy with the Dutch Touring Masters last year too. But I think it's good that they're going to alternate their roles, and we'll see how it works. I mean, hey, a change had to be made, right? The other positive is both race directors are going to be assisted by Herbie Bash, who has an extensive history. Um, he was the deputy to um, Charlie Whiting. Uh, he's a permanent senior advisor. I think it'll be good for the sport to have someone to kind of guide these guys in the right direction. And I kind of like that there's almost a, I don't want to say like a trio, but there it is good that there's like these three different heads involved. I think it's always better than just one guy. I think this gives the opportunity to make the right decisions on a more consistent basis. Are there going to be mistakes? Of course, people are human, but I do like the resources given. And I think the other particularly interesting element is this VAR 
like structure, which is going to be called the virtual race control room, which will be created to give more assistance to those race directors. And I enjoy that as well. I think it's great because it almost feels like there's a separation that, I mean, one of the biggest issues too, obviously they got rid of the radio pressure. Going to miss those FIA radio messages, but I think it's best for the best interest of the sport that we don't hear those and that we know these race directors aren't getting direct pressure. I mean, I get the element of allowing race team principals to voice their opinion, but at times it, it got a little childish last year, and you could definitely feel the pressure Michael Massey was on during some of these pivotal moments, especially in a close championship title race. So I think the addition of the video race control room is great. I think it's going to improve consistency within the sport. And people might find it weird, but again, a lot of sports do have a similar setup and it works quite well. I know people get mad sometimes whether we're talking American football, VAR and football, or if you watch hockey or baseball, they have those systems as well. But I think ultimately it improves the integrity of the sport. It improves the competition as well, even though we might not realize it right away. Um, with that being said, Michael Massey is obviously out of a job. Uh, if we're going to judge his career, I mean, listen, Michael Massey had one of the toughest, I, I will say this, he had one of the toughest jobs in auto racing. He was at the top tier of auto racing. Um, he entered Formula One in a unique point, I would say, in its history where it's kind of going through, I don't want to say a renaissance, it's going through this more of a global appeal, more of a global outreach, uh, especially here in the States as well. And it's just been at this point where entertainment, especially with Drive to Survive, mixing in with the product. And the race director, I get it, is supposed to have the integrity of the sport in his mind. And where Michael Massey ultimately failed was he kind of ignored the integrity of the sport to put down a product that was more entertaining. I don't think there was any conspiracy theory behind it. I don't think he was I don't think there was some kind of vast conspiracy to let Max Verstappen win. I think it was a terrible decision made by Michael Massey. I think and I get why you could almost feel the pressure too because in my head thinking back to Abu Dhabi I was like what a bummer this championship season is going to end under a parade lap for the champion and Lewis is going to be eight time champion. We're all going to be happy, blah, blah, blah. And that would have been fine. A lot of people would have been angry. I know a lot of people definitely wanted Max to win. Maybe a lot of people just don't want to see Lewis win for an eighth time in a row, but I think we could have been satisfied with that ending. There would have been some, you know, backlash on Twitter probably for a day or two, but it would not have reached obviously the level that the real decision made, made right? So, uh, but yeah, Michael Massey, unfortunately, I think in his head, he didn't want that parade lap. He wanted the race to be decided under green flag conditions. And he took liberty with the rule book. And while it might have been a great product, I mean, that last lap was highly entertaining. But unfortunately, again, there's the integrity of the sport and there's entertainment. And sports all over the world have to deal with this. It's not just Formula One. 
We see it in American football. We see it in soccer or football, right? We see it in baseball. We see it in hockey, any of this basketball, any other sport you might watch that there's there is the, the, the sport that is the show and there's the rules and the integrity of the sport. And it's constantly debated. I mean, whenever a sport makes changes to the rules, people always argue, well, it's gonna ruin the integrity. The the problem with what Michael Massey did was the integrity was changed mid game. It's like if you just changed the placement of field goals or changed how to rule a touchdown in football um, at the last minute. Or if you decided that, you know, a soccer match is not going to end on penalty kicks. It's going to end another way. So, again, it was like during mid-game in one of the biggest moments. Like, imagine if, you know, the Premier League was just going to be decided or Champions League. They just totally changed how to decide the championship at the last minute. So... I get it. Michael Massey made a bad decision, probably pressured from the outside, entertainment-wise, things like that, and he made a bad decision. And it's unfortunate that he lost his job for it, but, I mean, hey, when standards are high, when championships are affected, there was no route for him to keep his job anyway. Like, there was no way you could justify it. And I don't think he's a bad person. I do feel bad for the hate he's getting on social media. Dude made a mistake. We all make mistakes in our lives every day. Just our lives aren't under the scrutiny of the entire world. Michael Massey made one, which was under the scrutiny of the entire world. And ultimately, he's going to have to pay for it. Um, He shouldn't pay for social media. I mean, he's going to lose his job, but he's going to be fine. He's going to find somewhere else with the FIA. And who knows, maybe we'll see him back in some kind of minimal role later on in his uh, career. But... I do wish Michael Massey the best. I don't think he's a bad guy. Um, you know, I think some people understood that he was under pressure from other forces as well that maybe were within his control and maybe were a little beyond. And I think the changes the FIA has made are going to ultimately benefit the sport overall. But, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how those new race director positions work out and I I wonder where we're going to get our first look at the virtual race control room we'll probably get it like the first race of the season right there's no doubt that we're going to get it at some point during the first race of the year but anyway other than rule changes I mean man February just seems like it goes quick because of livery reveals we've had since last week since the 14th we've had so much going on we've had teams drop liveries we've had shakedowns go on we've had the crypto invasion for some reason every formula one team now is getting uh crypto sponsors which some people support some people don't i guess <laughs> uh but i guess it's a reality of the time we're in it's a reality of 2022 that crypto is a pretty big deal and even though they're probably most likely scamming all of us um they are making their way into formula one i think every team now has some form of crypto sponsorship. Actually, the only one that might not is Haas, which I wouldn't be surprised if they somehow find one. But yeah, we've had a lot of teams release their liveries and then shake down their cars, which really, I'm not going to go through every team's livery reveal. I know we had Alpha Tauri last week. We had Williams. We had Ferrari. We had Mercedes going back to silver. And also the black being added to Ferrari looks kind of cool. Thought there might have been a little more white, but... I like the Ferrari look. And then, of course, Alpine today with its uh, pink. Man, Hesteban Ocon can't avoid BWT, huh? 
but <laughs> uh, no, the Alpine doesn't look so bad. I know it's getting a lot of hate on social media, but listen, sponsors are sponsors. I think they made the best delivery they could considering the limitations of their sponsors. But I think one of the most fascinating things, and I think I'm going to be amazed by this whole year, truly, is the fact that like the approaches these teams have taken towards building their cars. I mean, I wish I had like one-eighth of the engineering knowledge that guys like Craig Scarborough or uh, Sam Collins have because it's just so cool to look at them on Twitter and see how they break down all of these, especially 2022, all of these changes and how teams have really interpreted the regs. We've seen teams like go skinny body, wide body, gills, no gills. I guess we're calling them gills, air intakes. Square intake, centerline cooling, um, and different methods, shark fins that look different. I mean, there's so many minute parts, and it's really cool to look at. Like, the Mercedes has this huge floorboard and a skinny body. Um, Haas, hey, like, I saw pictures of Haas from their shakedown today. Haas has gone with, like, they must have spent their whole time developing that 2022 car, which... Is going to get me into my bold predictions in a little bit. But, I mean, Haas has definitely put together a lot of effort. And, I mean, how cool would it be if they're the team that nailed it? Like, I mean, one could dream, right? <laughs> like, But Haas has really done some interesting things on their shakedown that we saw today. And I was like, that does not look anything like what we saw when they dropped their livery. So, um, Haas, man, putting together some R&D. Maybe, maybe that money actually helped. But it'll be interesting to see how it actually turns out on the track. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, I love the variety in the cars. It's it's truly showing you why Formula 1 is considered the pinnacle of auto racing. Not just because the skills of the driver, but truly the skills of the engineer. It is not just pure driving talent. It's a mixture of engineering and talent combined together to put together this amazing product and honestly it's truly fascinating i i love the variety in we have 10 teams and i think we have 10 different approaches to the 2022 regs and it's really going to be interesting to see which teams nail it and which teams just botch it or bottle it completely because you know that's going to happen you know there's going to be a team that nails it and is kind of like what Braun did it's going to be there. They found this innovation. They're going to be at the top for a few weeks, and then everybody's going to catch on. But I love the differences. It kind of reminds me of like when you check out like Formula 1 from the 70s where you saw different approaches to creating the fastest car possible and the car that would drive the best. It's truly, I believe, like back, somewhat back to what the roots of Formula 1 are. I mean, it's kind of why it's called Formula 1, right? There's a certain formula or set of regulations you have to follow and how you interpret those regulations to make the best car possible is back to like the roots of the sport and I think it's really cool I think it's immensely fascinating and I I don't see how no one could be and it's going to make for some interesting things this year I'm I'm really tempted to drop just like some basic bold predictions right now and that's what I'm going to close with I mean there's a lot more I could talk about too we have Drive to Survive coming up. There are going to be so many storylines. I mean, what could they even talk about? I mean, we have 
We have Valtteri's story with his contract negotiations with Merck. We have George going to Merck. We have Esteban and his like feel-good win in Hungary. We have the feel-good McLaren 1-2 at Monza with a Daniel Ricciardo win. Uh, we have Lando's Russia. Oh, man, Lando's Russia. Oh, that was... That was so sad. That's still I still have PTSD of him sliding like an ice skating rink in the rain. Um, Alexander Albon's comeback. We have the championship battle moments at Silverstone, at Monza, the whole Abu Dhabi. I mean, how many episodes could Drive to Survive make just on Abu Dhabi? At least like one or two, right? Like, come on. And then, of course, Kimmy retiring. Oh, Kimmy. Honestly, I follow Kimmy on social media. He looks like he's having a grand old time. He's... Like playing hockey with his kids. I think he's in a motor G, uh, Moto GP team or some kind of motorcycle racing team. So Kimmy looks like he's having a grand old time. Um, but yeah, I mean, so many interesting things, so many things to cover. But I'm just going to drop, before I leave, just my random predictions for 2022. So here are just my five completely wacky. Don't hold them. Don't hold me to them. But if I'm right, then then you can totally hold me to them. If I'm wrong... Oh, well, <laughs> but um, no, it's truly fascinating to see. So my first big prediction is we're going to have like feel good surprises this year. We're going to have unexpected teams on the podium. I can tell you that already. Um, it's a bold prediction, but I wouldn't be surprised if we saw like a Williams on the podium or Haas on the podium somehow. Uh, just maybe early in the season when, like I said, they're going to really nail those regulations. I just got good vibes from those teams. I don't know why. I mean, having good vibes from Haas is really random when you think about it. But I think Williams has done the right thing with their money. I think Haas just focused so hard on these new regulations that it's going to provide some decent races for them. And maybe they'll sneak their way into a podium. That would be something special. A Schumacher on the podium. I think I think people would cry, honestly. Like, I would probably cry. Um, hopefully it's not Mazepin. I mean, you know, if it is, it is. I mean, I'm not going to get into that. But anyway. So that's definitely going to happen. The other thing I'm going to say, there's going to be an epic disappointment. Uh, and I don't know which team it's going to be. And this is going to kind of like channel into my next two predictions. And what I say now is probably not going to make sense for my next prediction. But there is going to be a team that botches it. And I don't know why the two teams that are giving me like botched seasons. I don't think Alfa Romeo is going to be so special. Um, but... There's not high expectations for them. I'm talking like teams that have high expectations and just botch it. And I think the three teams, I, I would say one is like a long shot for a botch. But the two that definitely make me nervous, Aston Martin, man, I don't know why. They still give me some nervous vibes. They're one of the teams that went really wide with the regs. Um, they're either really right or really wrong. Um, I don't know. Their car just seemed to look very different and... I think that could go one or two ways. So I'm just getting weird vibes from them. I don't know. It's just like a gut feeling. And then uh, Alpine. I know people have been saying, I think Craig Scarborough said, Alpine seems to have a conventional car. I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. I know they had. And coincidentally, both teams had like shakeups this off season too. So could be a good thing, could be a bad thing. I'm just getting some weird vibes. And then... My long shot for a disappointing team, and I hope it doesn't come true, but uh, the long shot for a team that I think could disappoint is actually McLaren. Um, I hope they don't. 
I think I really do think they have their act together. But if there was a team that again, this is a long shot. I'm not saying McLaren's gonna do bad. But if there's a team that just has a disappointing season, I can for some reason feel it being McLaren. I don't know. But then again, Lando did invest significant money. Not significant money, um Lando has invested more years into that team. So maybe there's something I'm missing. But again, I like McLaren's structure. I, I really it's a it's one of my favorite teams on the grid in terms of how they're ran, the personalities on that team. I think Zach Brown does a great job, but I just am getting a weird vibe for twenty twenty two from them too. Hopefully I'm wrong. Um Zach Brown seemed to kind of reiterate reiterate the same that they're not ready for a championship yet. So does he know something that we don't? I don't know. But it's just interesting that that came out, especially in this era of new regulations. But tying into my fourth prediction, whichever team doesn't disappoint, I think we're going to have a feel-good story, like a real feel-good win or a feel-good podium. I mean, no, I'm going win. Can't go podium because these guys have been on the podium. But I think we could see like a Seb an Alonzo win, maybe an Alex Albon, Latifi podium. Like, we're going to get that feel-good story. I just, and it might happen again in a race similar to, like, Hungary or Baku or, uh, what was that, when um, Pierre Gasly won and it was Monza too, right? So, I think we're going to feel that as well. I mean, we'll see what happens. But um, I do get that sort of vibe too that maybe we will get that feel-good story. Maybe it's Haas on the podium. I don't know, but I feel like we're going to have a good moment, and we're going to be happy, and uh, it'll please a lot of people. It'll be like something that brings the F1 community together, not divides them, and my next bold prediction is there's going to be a major retirement announcement. Uh, I don't know if it could be. I mean, there are. I would say if there's drivers under pressure, there's no doubt that if you're looking at, like, especially the junior teams, there's no doubt that Danny Rick especially with Pato Award, Colin Herta possibly in the background. Danny Rick might be in danger. Um, we also have at Alpine, Oscar Piastri rating in the wings. So it makes you wonder if perhaps um, if perhaps Fernando Alonso is in danger. And I think it's very much hinged on how their seasons go. And, and Seb too. I, I think Seb is where Seb goes ultimately. What Seb decides to do at the end of this year hinges on if Aston Martin can deliver. So it's going to be interesting. I, I hope I love all three drivers. I hope they're able to stay around. I hope I'm wrong. Uh, but maybe the big retirement announcement is, which is going to tie into, honestly, my last prediction is Lewis Hamilton is going to win an eighth World Drivers Championship. Mercedes is going to win the Constructors. And Lewis is going to retire. That's what I really feel. I think I think this year was almost a turning point for Lewis. I think Lewis was very... I think he might have been closer to retiring than we actually think. I know he mentioned that he does this evaluation process every season. But I could just see if he wins that eighth championship. I, what, what a way to go out. That would be like Lewis Hamilton goes on the Vengeance Tour, takes the trophy. I think it's going to be a close championship battle. I think it's going to involve one, two, or three drivers. Takes that eighth title, retires, sails off into the sun, maybe becomes part of the Formula One community, maybe works with Merck, or maybe he moves on and 
does some he does a lot of great things for our world, a lot of great things for uh outside of Formula One. Maybe he does that instead, but I for some reason feel like that's gonna happen this year. I I that is the one I feel most confident in. I'm telling you right now. I, I think an angry Mercedes and angry Lewis Hamilton is a team you don't want to mess with. And it's gonna be I'm calling twenty twenty two the Mercedes Vengeance Tour. And maybe I'm wrong, but if they're if they're on their level, they're gonna be a force to be reckoned with yet again. So that's where I'm at. I mean, this week is exciting. We have Barcelona testing coming up. I can't wait to talk to you guys on Friday, kind of break some of that down. It'll be interesting to see how teams shake up or where they fit in. I know we're not I know testing isn't the most representative of the actual season, but it'll give us a good idea where teams stand. So Oh, I can't wait to see all those cars in action. It's going to be, I know it won't be live, but it's going to be so cool to watch. There's, It's here, folks. The 2022 season's here. Let's get hyped, get pumped, get excited. And I'll talk to you guys on Friday after Barcelona testing. Enjoy.